0: You're listening to the Fantasy Football Astronauts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Astronauts. My name is Daniel Harms. I'm a film analyst here. With me today, I have a guy who really needs no introduction. He's one of the best hype men in the entire fantasy football realm. He's the guy, you guys, you you see him, you hear him on podcasts. This is Derek Brown of the Fantasy Pros please let everyone know what you're we working on coming up and how they can see you and hear you and, and everything <laughs> well first of all harms thank you for having me man um this is gonna be a
1: blast uh we've been trying to get this together for a minute man mm-hmm. between um doing a podcast together or hell just sitting down watching film and yeah, right. uh you know life life has a way of throwing potholes uh in, in our direction so I'm just happy to be on here and talk about all these rookies and stuff and the landing spots and chop it up with you, dude. But yeah, um, all of my work can be found, obviously, at Fantasy Pros. Uh, I've got about almost 30 skill position player uh, profiles up inside of our Dynasty Rookie Draft Kit, which is live on the site. So if you head over to fantasypros.com slash NFL, scroll down to the right, you'll see the link to get to that homepage. And there is so much stuff in the inside of that kit whether you um, are doing a startup, whether you're looking for trade advice, whether you're looking for stuff about these rookies. Um, I went through all these skill position profiles and I updated basically Outlook, landing spot, got into some contract talk for all of those. And as well, man, I mean, look, we got bet the best ball draft kit just dropped. I'm on the podcast. I, I was on the Dynasty podcast last week. Um, all the things and stuff, man, it's a busy time um, before we kind of hit this lull. Before mm-hmm. like training camps and all that yeah, kind of stuff. I know we got a little bit of rookie mini camp hype and people, you know, out on the social medias like crapping on basically
0: every video that comes out. But I overall it's a fun time of year, man. Yeah. So what I really had just heard is I need to step up my game for my content <laughs> that's coming out. Cause all you're doing is just continuously pumping out <laughs> content. But just so you guys know we are have the 2022 rookie guide that fantasy football astronauts will be getting a landing spot update in the next couple of weeks you can find that at the ffastronauts.com along with all of the videos that i do myself they go on youtube and everything that's gone off there, the big breakdown they got we're going to have more analysis analytics everything's going to be coming together on the fantasy football astronauts page it's awesome you should definitely check it out but now we're going to get to what we came here to talk about today because this is the update for everybody out there we know that your rookie Drafts are coming up if they haven't already started to creep up on you in the next day or so. So we're going to talk a little bit about some actual landing spots for these rookies, how they're going to impact our own views, how they impact yours, and what you can really take away from the entire process of getting to a new NFL team, putting that work in before week one comes in. We're going to start off with our running backs and wide receivers and work our way into quarterbacks and tight ends, and maybe we have some interesting stuff to, to throw in there every once in a while. But the first thing that we're going to talk about is a couple of our favorite day one and day two players in the landing spots that we don't necessarily like like our players that we may have liked coming out but their landing spots weren't great so give me a couple uh, off the top of your head
1: so uh, the the first one off the top of my head and this is not so much like i guess like that i don't like the landing spot i just don't like the pick in general yeah. um i feel like the landing spot was okay not great for him john mechie um mm-hmm. is a player that i wasn't a huge fan of could not understand. Well, it, you hear Nick Casario come out and talk a bunch of ridiculous bullshit, and you kind of see why they made the uh, the locker room and culture pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Mechie in Houston, I was hoping that maybe he was going to land in a situation where improved quarterback play, things of that nature, could elevate his game, or at least like on a high powered offense. So, because he's not a sexy player to me. Like, if you look at like his entire college resume, college profile you're hoping that he would have landed somewhere. And yes, like there's targets and there's opportunity there for him to to get volume and get it early. Like when you're competing against Nico Collins and Chris Moores of the world and stuff like that, obviously, yes, you could earn targets. But for Mechie, I was hoping he was going to go to a high passing rate team, a good, uh, at least if you're hoping for him in rookie drafts and the second round draft capital, I was hoping that, it was going to be a place that was going to help him elevate his game, whether through passing volume of the quarterback play, because Mechie himself is not a, a, a blow your socks off elite talent kind of guy. So, I mean, if you were a John Mechie guy, are you at least hoping that with this draft capital that
0: something good was going to come out of it? It's a little bit less than sexy. Yeah, I, I understand that. I was much higher on John Mechie coming out. Personally, I liked his, his film, his running ability, his speed. I think it's underrated mostly because he's next to Jamison Williams, but the landing spot isn't great because again, we're talking about a guy who is going to be placed in the slot right away. You have Brandon cooks and you have Nico Collins there. Those are your two starting receivers there, in my opinion, and he's going to slot in as that role slot guy and in a higher volume passing offense, it would have been really kind of perfect to get some of those targets in that situation where you're getting more three wide receiver sets and you're getting more of the high volume passing with the quarterback play. So it's unfortunate because he's not going to see the field as much. I mean, you never know. Their defense is bad. So maybe they end up throwing a ton anyway. But I like Davis Mills a little bit. I'm hoping to see him get a little bit better. But one of the guys that I really – I wasn't like super high on his film, but I thought he could have been a pretty decent landing spot away from becoming an actual player was Taquan Thornton out of Baylor, a guy who's a really – He's not a just a speed guy. He has some route running ability to him. He's much taller, a little bit lankier. Definitely has that 4-2 speed on film. He runs away from a lot of a lot of people. He lands in an offense that just drafted two more running backs to fold into their seven running back room. And not only did they do they want to only run the ball, they have Mac Jones as their quarterback. And you you I know that you want a deep threat. I know that you want a deep threat. Everyone, everyone does. Speed is at a premium in the NFL. Mac Jones can get it some areas down the field. He's just going to have to wait a little bit to get it to him there. So it's a little frustrating for. Him, The draft capital is nice, even though he probably wasn't a day two player in my opinion. But the Patriots went and traded up with the Chiefs to get him. And they see something specifically there to help their offense with a bunch of intermediate to short area route runners. And then you have a guy who now can take the top off. And they're hoping that that can unleash a bit more of their maybe play action game. So uh, I'm not a huge fan of it because I don't see him being hugely fantasy relevant in that offense. There are other places that he could have landed Green Bay mm-hmm. specifically and some places like that that could have really helped that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, and I think a lot of that is just, I, I mean, with Taekwon, I never projected him as a second round player yeah, um, at all. Like I, I I, put like maybe a late round three grade because considering what he did at the combine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, skill wise, I put him more as like an early fourth. Um, so mm-hmm. to see him go in the second round really surprised me. And I'm with you. Like, uh, you, you see all these different teams. It's kind of like the Tennessee Titans are where, you know, veteran wide receivers go to perish. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I mean, basically any young wide receiver goes to new England for the same reason. Like they're, it, it they're not going to get fed targets. They're not going to be a priority. It's system over everything. He's going to be in a rotation with a ton of other guys. Um, whether you have the Devonte Parkers of the world. Nelson Aguilar, good Lord, I don't know why he's even still there, because Taekwon's going to play the same damn role that he's mm-hmm. supposed to be playing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's basically, if you were a Taequann Thornton lover coming into the draft season, this was nightmare fuel. This is exactly what you didn't yep, want to yep. happen. Um, but There's a lot of these guys on day one and day two that I really like this spot, really like their Mm -hmm. landing spot, um, as opposed to maybe some of the consensus. So just going through this question was a little bit interesting for me, and not so much a guy that I was so high on it. Actually, I was lower than consensus, but I want to bring him up here, Harms, is George Pickens. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I understand why people are encouraged by the landing spot. I I get the the pathway to that. Okay. Like you go with the narratives of, okay, maybe Pittsburgh just done with Chase Claypool. They're done with off the field, what have you, or even some of the on the field stuff that he's Mm -hmm. done that that could happen. Okay. But we talk about range of outcomes and you want to discuss like, okay, but the what ifs and okay, what if they're not done with Chase Claypool? And when I looked at like some of the metrics from last year and trying to understand, because it's, it's like, they have Deontay Johnson, they have Mm -hmm. Chase Claypool, they got rid of Juju or Juju Smith-Schuster walked out the door. So it's like, who's going to play the slot in this offense? It's like from the numbers that I'm looking at last year and and effectiveness, a lot of people are saying it's going to be Deontay Johnson. I don't think so. I don't think that at all, actually. I think they're going to go power slot and they're going to put Chase Claypool inside. And so if that's the case. There's also a a range of outcomes where your top two uh, easiest completions, like, on the field, as far as, like, not only just a talent perspective, but drawing up easy plays. You have Deontay Johnson, who could separate easy on the outside. You have Chase Claypool, who's going to be a mismatch for every damn nickel corner that he comes up against. Those two options are more more intriguing to me than George Pickens being the third. And if we want to play a range of outcomes, like I keep kind of alluding to this. What happens if Deontay Johnson doesn't leave in free agency, Harms? Mm -hmm. What if he re-signs? What if Pittsburgh doesn't have to give him the bag? They give him a good contract. Like a good contract that they can get out from under in two or three seasons. But it's a lot of money, okay? If that's the case and the team isn't done with Chase Claypool, like they're not just taking out the shovel and burying him out back like everybody thinks they are, could this been a really bad landing spot for George Pickens and people are puffing it up and reading too much into it.
0: So I definitely understand that viewpoint. I actually think you have two guys that can play power slot in that offense in Claypool and Pickens because Pickens doesn't necessarily create a ton of separation on his own and he's still coming back from the injury. So if you want to get him in a position to succeed, you have Claypool who's been in the NFL now going on his third year. So he can figure out maybe how to play on the outside. If you want to, Go that route you don't want to you don't necessarily want to slot pickens into the you have to win now as our ex-receiver because he's not going to do that mm-hmm. he will not do that that's not his game but you can you can have him going downfield against some of these these slot corners and safeties in the nfl i think you might be able to find some success there but the one of the other reasons i liked the landing spot was because we know that mike tomlin kept antonio brown his crazy under wraps. Like. And from the the off field stuff with George Pickens, we don't know what what that is, but we knew we know he's kind of a hot head. We know he's kind of a hot. You think he's gonna be able to keep his crazy under wraps? Is that what we're going? I don't going? think he's like nuts, but I think that from a point. Did you of watch perspective... the video of when he got drafted? <laughs> I did. He I looked tried. like the Grinch, like peering <laughs> no, over no. Whoville. Like it, it just really it weird. was
1: so weird, man. It's
0: like he's like postured up like. I, I will, I will I'm like, it. what are we doing? here?
1: <laughs> that's one of the weirdest
0: things that I've ever seen. Like it ever, was I've it ever was seen. strange. But it was not like an outwardly nutso so thing that Antonio yeah. Brown has done. Like I will say that. That's so fair. That's fair. From from a perspective of Mike Tomlin has this grounded level of view and I think that he, he does for the most part he's done a g- good job of keeping the organization afloat through some of the stuff they've had to deal with I think that's a good landing spot from that perspective And also because you know you never know what's going to happen in any any team from one one year to the other and Pickens has some talent to play on the outside but he's probably going to be a slot early on I think that's where you're talking about early fantasy relevance for him because I think that's where he his key to success is immediately I know we're talking
1: about landing spots on this show, but can, can, be kind of rewind. Let's, I, I want to discuss that just for a second. Okay. Because I think, like, George Pickens and, and a lot of social media and a lot of people frame George Pickens as a field stretcher, as mm-hmm. a vertical threat, because he's tall and he can run fast and all this other bullshit. And I'm like, have y'all not watched George Pickens? Have y'all not looked at his numbers? Like, and and a lot of this bears out, not just in the numbers, but watching the film. And even if you want to go head over to like reception perception and look at Matt Harmon's work, George Pickens is not a field stretcher. That's not how and where he wins at this juncture of his career. Like, can he stretch the field? Mm -hmm. Yes. Does he also get bullied at the catch point by smaller corners? Does he have inconsistencies at the catch point? Does he also not play nearly as strong as we see all of these like, hype videos about him like blowing dudes away and run blocking i'm like shit yeah you, i would love to see that from you on a play-to-play consistency like basis mm-hmm. when you're running routes yeah. like please show me that type of strength because he's not a bully at the catch point point. and that's why people like people come out there and they're like as soon as i threw out my comp for george pickens and everybody's like oh it's it's big athletic it's this it's this i'm like dude it's brian hartline like yep. that's the guy that I, I saw it. because at this juncture of his career, he wins in the short and intermediate areas. He wins underneath. And th- th- all of this vertical stuff is it's not real. Like if it, it really isn't a part of his game, his biggest flaws in his game right now are actually when he runs nine routes, consistently stacking corners and when he's asked to go vertically. So I, I love the fact that you brought that up, especially compared to, I
0: think what the consensus view of him is harms. Yeah. That was one of the things that I I noticed. So we, we, we try to do this for, we we project, Oh, well he did this his freshman year. Okay. Yeah. That was his freshman year. And even if you look into his sophomore year before the injury, you know, in that season later, he wasn't as productive. Like he wasn't when you're, when corners and defensive coordinators start to understand, okay, you want to go downfield and pretty much be a a catch point kind of guy with some body control, maybe throw back shoulder fades, things like that. And an offense that, predominantly runs the football and you can create some separation that way. What we're going to do is we're going to play off you and force you to create separation. And he couldn't really do it. I think you noticed he nope. couldn't really create consistent separation. So I know that we want to project the athletic traits that we saw from his freshman year to now. That was three years ago. It was three what? years ago. Exactly. You just, man. You can't just ignore what we've seen. Love uh, that. As,
1: and as and as people lean on well. his five-star status. And I'm like, if there's anything like, I, and, and I tweeted out, like I was like, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure y'all are all going to be higher on George Pickens than I am. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is, is that like people go back to the five-star status, they go back to the upside and all these different things. When I watch George Pickens, I look at a player that has leaned so hard on his physical measurables mm-hmm. that the the other parts and pieces that he especially needs this shit to win in yeah. the NFL as being a tactician, it's it's kind of I'm not gonna say like all of that's gone by the wayside, yeah. but you do see a player that is, I'm not gonna say like more raw, but he's more inconsistent because these other parts of his game are not fully honed. And maybe he gets there in the NFL, but I, I'm with you in the sense that I think that he's gonna struggle more in the transition to the NFL than a lot of people believe that he is because of how his his game hasn't really grown with him over time at Georgia
0: yeah and that's one of the things I think we've seen out of Georgia receivers and we're all taught to scout the helm not not scout the helmet scout the player but mm-hmm. I don't think they do a very good job of developing receivers for the NFL I don't think they nope. do and Agreed. we've seen it time and time again specifically as a Chiefs fan I've now seen it twice Chris Connolly and McCole Hardman and that's just what it is. They run the ball. They don't really do much with their route tree. So that's the last thing I'll say about George Pickens is that I hope, I really hope that he uses the feeling of being dissed by the rest of the NFL as motivation to get better in the things that he struggled to do in his college career. Now for one of the things that I want to talk about, because this was my running back, like one of my dudes that I fell in love with and I, it hurt me to see him go to this place. It's a great landing spot for, for a lot of people and, The only thing I don't like about it is the fact that there's like three running backs in front of him and Jerome Ford to the Cleveland Browns. It stuck stuck a pin in me. And I was just like, Jerome Ford, he was my running back three. If you guys didn't know in this draft class, I thought he had, he really kind of reminds me of the running style that Nick Chubb has in terms of he's not going to be the best, the most versatile pass catcher out of the backfield. But when he runs the ball, he finds a cut. Guess what? He's gone. He's going to find me. he's gone. Like, that's what Jerome Ford does. And I know that there's some ways to get him into a better role maybe next year, but I just, it was one of those things that I, it was a gut punch to me. And I, I wanted him to see him go to a team that was running back needy. And even if the Texans weren't, you know, going to be the best landing spot for offensive line, but the scheme is perfect for him. It was just one of those things that it hurt me a little bit because I wanted to see the draft capital. I wanted to see him in a, a an opportunity to earn some touches early. Um, that's not to say it's not there for him because I do think he's he's better than Johnson. I don't know if Kareem Hunt's gonna be there come season. We'll kind of see about that, but yeah, it was just one of those things, man.
1: Man, I, I'm with you on the running back position. I, I like Jerome Ford a good bit too. Um, in watching his tape. I mean, I think that he's a player that could could have gotten a better landing spot. Um, I think it's it's just it's muddied waters in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um and you know even if you wanted to play like the the, the ghost of john kelly like that that depth chart's got a lot of guys <laughs> on it yeah. and spe- so staying in the running back position one guy that like his landing spot hurt my heart i was legit like sitting at my desk um on day 3 i was writing up stuff for fantasy pros and this one came across the ticker and i legit put my pen down and i just screamed i was so ridiculously pissed off it, why did the Patriots hurt me? Why did they take my dude, Pierre Strong? Like that was yep, the yep, yep. most head scratching, like what in the hell is going on here? Pick. And <laughs> I, dude, I think that like, we've talked about two Patriots picks yes. already into the show. Yep, yep, Their yep. entire draft was just a quagmire of what the <laughs> hell are you doing? And I kept making jokes, but I was like, this is ridiculous, man. Like they're just drafting a bunch of athletes and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how these guys are going to fit into their scheme. And Pierre Strong, I loved him. I kept talking about him like out on social mm-hmm. media. And I was like, he is the discount version of Reese Hall. That's what he is. He had early career production. Yes, it was at a lower, uh, at basically a lower conference that we, mm-hmm. we all get that. Okay. And for everybody out there, he's not 25 years old. I don't know where yeah, right. shit got started, but he's not. He's 23. So just we can we can th- clear up some things, but it hurt me, Harms. It really, really hurt me. One because it's frapping New England, and they're probably gonna like redshirt his ass this year, and he's not gonna get any kind of playing time. Number two is he was one of the best inside-outside zone runner in mm-hmm. this freaking class, or you can make us a, a case, an easy case, that he was top two, top three. And he goes to a team that runs a ton of gap, a ton of power, a, a ton of these things that don't fit his freaking skill set. And I'm just like, what's going on here? I, it I That know. is the one that, that legit made me stop and I got mad about because I, I didn't understand the fit. And dear Lord in heaven, I didn't want him to go to a place where he was going to get buried on the New England Patriots damn depth chart. So that's honestly, if I were to pick out all these different guys and stuff like that, Pierre Strong's landing spot was probably the most hurtful for me.
0: I can't, not even that, they doubled down and they got Kevin Harris later. Like they went ahead and they have, I can name five guys, no, six guys in that running back room right now, Mm -hmm. six running backs. Yes, I'm including JJ Taylor. He does exist. Just because he's small doesn't mean he can't play. But yeah, they just want to do everything at running back. I don't, I don't understand anything. It was we wanted to see him go to outside zone scheme. Like I was like, I, I wasn't a huge fan of like his his vision, but I'm telling you, he can run outside zone, yeah. inside zone. He can do it, hit that cut, and he's gone. Like yeah. he's gone. So yeah, I was i was right there, right there with you. It, that one it was not just a hurt, it was like a what? It, what? And it sucks,
1: man. Like, like, okay, Damian Harris is out the, after this year because they're not yep. going to pay him. That that shit's not happening. But like Ramadre Stevenson's still there. He fits their run game scheme. James White just re up for two contract, years. Yep. So he's going to kibosh the passing the passing downs. Mm-hmm. You know, like wh- where's the path for Pierre Strong to like just ascend in this yep. backfield? It's, it's really tough to envision that especially inside of this offense and I was like because he's such a weird fit for what they've looked at as far as the position and and what his skill set is it, it got me thinking like is this team gonna evolve and start utilizing s- some more zone concepts in the run game that's, that's the only yeah. thing I could think of but then I'm like
0: I feel like I'm grasping at straws just to hold on to hope there too. Yeah, that's pretty much what I think it Is you're just hoping that they they do something different, but it's so clogged back there. Like even if they do, well, someone else could could end up. I think Stevens could still end up doing something in that offense. So it's yeah. it's tough tough spot for any offensive weapon to go to the New England Patriots. So let's go ahead and skip over to our tight ends and, and quarterbacks really quickly here. Um, one of the the one of the picks that really made me happy, like for for. Specific, Specifically for quarterback was Desmond Ritter. He was my quarterback one in this class. And I know that a lot doesn't really matter with these with these with these quarterbacks. Like whoever, however you had them ranked, I'm not going to argue with you because they're all kind of day two guys, period. Um, but I think that Desmond Ritter in that Arthur Smith offense, with the way that they're trying to construct the offense, hopefully they get some offensive line, help soon. Cause now you have weapons on the offense. You have multiple guys that can come and help that offense run. And the way that he operates, he wants to run. Play action. Lots of run heavy schemes with the play action downfield. I think that's perfect for Desmond Ritter, that athletic ability he has. You can kind of see him running some quarterback read options as well because he has those legs that are really underrated part of his game. But I really like the landing spot for Desmond Ritter and hopefully... Because if Arthur Smith can, can win some games here, and not get himself fired in a spot that would really work out well for him. I know that they can replace him next year if they don't, uh, in terms of drafting a quarterback high, if they don't have a good season. Obviously, there's still Marcus Mariota in his way. But if everything works out well, he gets onto the field and he shows some things. I think that there's a pathway for him to succeed in the NFL as like a Ryan Tannehill. Like that's what he like he reminds me of. He's an athletic guy who can run with the ball in his hands, make you miss a little bit. He's got more speed than Tannehill ever had. And the best place for him is that play action game.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I don't disagree with anything uh, that you said about Ritter, because I mean, like, look, like, and and honestly, you could say the same thing about Pickett. If you were hoping for best cases, like both of those systems, they can design offensive schemes that can fit both quarterbacks there. Um, Get them on the move, use motion, roll them out, boot them, things like that to where, you can have an offensive scheme that, like, you're not just catering to one player or the other. They have at least similar skill sets. So while I'm not as high on Ritter as you are, mm-hmm. like, I, I I get the love for the landing spot. There's a few different guys that we want to bring up here. We, we, we're just on the quarterback and tight end position here. Yeah, I mean, you, right now, we can just talk about whatever you want. Like, this is... Yeah pretty free. <laughs> so, I mean, if we're talking about landing spots that we just really love, I mean, I could easily stay in Atlanta and, and talk mm-hmm. to you more and more and more and everybody out there <laughs> about Drake London. I mean, the 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 fit with with Arthur Smith and uh, Drake London being basically utilized in similar fashion to A.J. Brown when he first came mm-hmm. into the league, it's fantastic. He's going to be a high volume receiver from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Kyle Pitts is going to be the number two option in this offense. Like, that's that's how high I am on Drake London. Like, um, he's he's just he's damn awesome, man. Like, and he, I don't think that people really give him enough credence and do. And I and I understand that, like, okay, he's a top ten pick, and yeah, people might like him, but yeah. like, I'm trying to go out and I'm trying to trade into drafts. I'm trying to get high picks because I'm over the moon for Drake London because I see the upside to be an alpha in an offense, yeah. and he's a high volume threat. He has so many parts or pieces to his game. Like, he can win short. He can separate. although people don't think that that's a real thing. He can. um, Keaton's Slovis is terrible. Um, (laughs) But I I, I love the landing spot for Drake London. But a few other guys that I want to hit on here, um, Isaiah Spiller, as a player Mm -hmm. that I was not massive into, um, I love the landing spot for him. He creeped up my ranks. Um, I think that he is going to have a role in this Chargers offense from day one. Mm -hmm. I think they've been yearning to try to get a running mate with Austin Eckler and after Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree and everybody else, Justin Jackson can't stay healthy. All of them fell on their face. The Chargers want to be at the end, like at the end of the season, they want to be in the conversation. They have Super Bowl hopes. You, You want to make it there and have Austin Eckler healthy by not running his ass into the ground like he did last year. He's a guy that's dealt with some injuries and stuff. So I think Spiller is going to be a compliment and a running mate with him from day one. And so... I mean, we're talking about a top five scoring offense in the NFL. Austin Eckler's contract is dirt cheap. The Chargers can possibly move on that from after this season. I mean, hell, even if they wanted to cut him right now, they could. Um, But they're not. And I'm not saying they're going to do that. Austin Eckler probably plays out the remainder of his contract. But then you're still talking. I think he's only signed for two more years. Mm -hmm. Like Isaiah Spiller, if he shows well, could take over the 1A part of a committee. And then they just draft somebody to take over passing downs. Or Spiller could be the dude. You know, yeah. so I I really like his landing spot. I think he's a good fit there for what he does as well. Um, another guy that I'm, and and this is not me just laying into your Chiefs love, okay? And I understand <laughs> it, and I, and I, I've been there on, on um in the comments and some of the chats uh, for some of your live streams and stuff like that. But damn it, I love Sky Moore. I love Sky Moore, and. I got I got some um some pushback. I got some some people gave me some shit about taking Sky Moore as high as the one oh five in a dynasty rookie draft uh, the other day. And I'm like, dude, I was high on Sky Moore before yeah. he landed with the freaking Chiefs. Like I pushed him over Traylon Burks in my ranks prior to the NFL draft because I really don't think people I think that okay. everybody's out there and everybody's gotta have takes. We all gotta have takes. And people are like, they're pushing back on the hype of him going to Kansas City, mm-hmm. I and mean, they're talking about Juju Smith-Schuster. And I'm like, can, can we please talk about the fact that when was the last time Juju Smith-Schuster was actually really good? It's been more than Four, a minute, five years ago. And, and there's only so much of that shit you could put on Ben Roethlisberger. I'm sorry, like there is because Deontay Johnson said, <laughs> "Hold my beer," like he was perfectly fine. The entirety of Ben Roethlisberger wilting away into dust, and Juju wasn't. And Juju, a lot of this, like you look at all of his metrics, his yards per route run have fallen every single year. His yards after catch per reception have fallen over the last four years. I think Sky Moore can walk into this offense and be the number two option this year. And I don't think that that's crazy because Marquez Valdez-Scantling, as good as he is at stretching the field, he still doesn't run a complete route tree. I think that his his speed, him and Nicole Hardman, are going to give Kansas City the field stretching dynamic that they need and they want. But I think you're looking at a high-volume receiver. It is not Juju Smith-Schuster. It's freaking Sky Moore, baby. Like, his ability to create after the catch is fantastic. You put the ball in his hands, and he looks like a damn running back out in the open field. I mean, he led the nation in Miss tackles Forest last year. He's mm-hmm. going to be a zone beater from day one. And un- unfortunately, everybody thinks that he's a slot option because people comped him to freaking Golden Tate. And I'm like, he's not just a slide-only option. You look at this, and again, like, I put a tweet out earlier today. And I, I just screenshot, because I didn't want to give away the goods for a, a fellow a colleague in the fantasy space and, and give away paywall things. But I put a screenshot, and I said, this looks good. Is this good? I think this is good. And it, it's success rates versus men, press zone. You have Sky Moore that was above the 87 percentile per Matt Harmon's research with reception perception. Yep. In every one of those categories, yes, I said man impress. Sky Moore can win on the outside; he's that freaking good, and I still don't think that people give him enough due as far as how good of a wide receiver that he is. And he's an early declare; like he mm-hmm. checks so many damn boxes that I don't under. Like I feel like people are just trying to pump the brakes because they went too over the moon about McCall Hardman, and which was really. I don't understand why you were over the moon for him to begin with, unless you're just like, oh, he runs really, really fast, and he went to Kansas City. This is a totally different, 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 let me say it again, different set of circumstances and different skill set. Sky Moore is going to be freaking awesome. I, I just cannot wait until he lines up week one, and he breaks two tackles, and he blows past somebody for a long damn touchdown, and then everybody's like, oh my god we didn't hype him <laughs> enough
0: i have my own concerns because I, I, from covering the team I, I know that the playbook is extremely difficult to learn so mm-hmm. i don't think he's gonna come in day one and just be the guy i would love to see it happen he has the talent to do that now it's all about learning where you need to be on the field having mahomes trust you all that stuff does play into it i think that. He has all that talent again to do everything that you just said, because the only only thing is that you're coming up two spots of two levels of competition. And I know that he got hurt in the mission game, but even before he got hurt, he had some issues getting open against some some of the press that they had. It's all a learning curve. He's going to have a little bit of a curve, but as soon as he figures it out, he can do everything. He, like you said, he can play on the outside. His It's the release package in the hands together. It's you, you These receivers come into the NFL and they don't have the the vast amount of releases that Sky Moore has. They don't have the mm-hmm. quick hands that he has, which is why they can't succeed on the outside. That's why they have to bump small guys like on, back into the inside. Elijah Moore plays on the outside. He's a smaller guy. Quick hands, lots of releases. He has all of those. Sky Moore has all of those things. He has it all. So he'll figure it out once he does this people are going to be in for a a world of hurt he's going to be and that's why you took him with 105 it's a dynasty draft this is not redraft this is you getting him on your team for good like that's what this is that's why you do that so i mean my whole thing
1: is that like you get past like drake london and i think like jameson williams is in the same tier as london a lot of people view him very differently but like i think you can make a case like we're talking about earlier you can make a case for a lot of different orders on how you want to parse through these guys' skill sets, their upsides, their landing spots. And really, once you get past, like, I mean, honestly, I think Dynasty rookie drafts kind of start at pick 103, 104. And after that point, you can make a case for whichever guy you like. You know, like, I can make a case that I could shade Jameson Williams and say, like, look, like, T.J. Hawkinson is going to be there. No, Chark is not going to be there, but mm-hmm. I'm on Ross St. Brown. DeAndre Swift is going to be there for the next few years, you know, if I wanted to make that case, you know? So, like, Garrett Wilson, can Zach Wilson support multiple guys? Like, yeah. there's so many yeah. different ways to parse through these guys. Like, I'm going to bet on talent, and we're talking about, like, you're betting on talent and situation and all these different things. Shit, man, that's just – I, I,
0: again, we probably need to move on, because, but I consider sit and talk about Sky more for <clears throat> another 10, 15 minutes. You and me both, because that, that was – I mean, I watched him. I was probably a little bit lower than consensus in terms of his draft capital. I thought he was going to go where he did a little bit later, but again, the tools are there. I have some questions about him transferring to the next to two levels up, but that's, it's all learning, learning curve. And I'm, I'm, I'm confident. Well, and I it, think right? the other
1: thing we still haven't seen the best out of him as a guy that like, basically if he, and I went back and this is how, how deep in the weeds I got harms. Like I was watching <laughs> 2018 rivals videos go. of him at a rivals um, high school camp, which nice. I was like, Holy shit, this dude could have been a really good corner too. But he yeah. came out of high yeah. school having never, he never played a wide receiver at all. Yeah, and legit yeah. stepped onto the field at Western Michigan as a true freaking freshman, didn't red shirt as a true freshman and did everything he did. Yeah. Never playing wide receiver ever to that point. And so, like, I think there's still another level, like you're talking about his adjustment to the NFL. I think that there's still a, another level to his game that can be unlocked just as he plays the position more and he gets even better
0: coaching. This, was, so, this like, is the perfect I, spot for him to learn too like i think that he we haven't seen the best of him at all i'm as a chiefs fan i'm hoping i'm, I'm hoping you're right and i, I think that there's no <laughs> level two i'm i'm more trying to temper my own expectations because i've gotten burned by receivers so i'm just trying to keep the level headedness here. I get, it, I get it well you know like you, you told me the, about the hype man and stuff like that like there you go it's you all know we times
1: we we go into skill sets and stuff like that and we spend so much time looking at how these guys win um how they could translate and stuff and then you know i, I think people kind of like blow that out the window whenever they get landing spots or or what have you or or you know after the NFL draft draft dust settles man so no, i mean I, I i'm in for it I, i'm here for for sky Moore to be awesome
0: i am 100% with you so one of the players that I want to talk about that the landing spot really kind of changed my outlook on him was Rashad White. When I watched his film, I saw a guy who played ex- much smaller than he was. He's six foot, 220 pounds-ish, mm-hmm. and he played a lot smaller than that. I thought he went down on contact far more than he should have and really kind of shied away from contact, which is something I didn't like to see from a guy his size. So I was like, oh, okay. I'm not, I'm not hugely a fan of the love everything guys. you're saying right yeah. now. I'm totally with you. <laughs> and then I saw him go, you know, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you know the offensive line that they have there even without Tom Brady whenever he eventually retires which I imagine this year but who who knows who cares it's in place for running back success that's what it's there for and for a guy who does shy away a little bit from contact and doesn't necessarily read the tackles as well as he could have for Leonard Fournette the future up and down don't really know and i do think that he can come in and be a pass catching back immediately in that offense even though leonard fournette has done that only out of necessity because everyone behind him sucked they couldn't do anything they kept dropping the ball as i've heard you phrase it iron pan hands all the way throughout (laughs) that entire entire backfield and even leonard fournette was given that role as an iron pan hand guy before last year i think so there's a lot of work to be earned in that offense and we know Leonard Fournette's not a, a breakaway runner. Not anymore. Not since LSU. That's not his game. Rashad White has a little bit of, the, of that to his game too. And I think that in, behind this offensive line, you could really see him forming out a, kind of like a James Cook role in terms of what they're going to do with him at Buffalo. Passing down a guy who's going to take some of the carries and maybe break off a few big runs. I think that can be a very similar aspect to the trajectory of we're seeing with James Cook, who people are really taking extremely high along with Rashad White. So, it changed my opinion of him a little bit, just because that offensive line's built for success.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I like the landing spot. Um, the the one uh, avenue I'll push back a little bit on White is I I bumped him down a little bit in my ranks because I am worried about his path to the field. Like if he doesn't, if they roll back like all time Lenny, and Lenny's getting like yeah. you know 70 percent snap share. The worry for me is that Rashad white is entering the NFL as a 23 year old rookie. Mm-hmm. And, and I, let, let's, let's get this out there. I don't give a crap about that for running backs in the sense of we're playing these guys in dynasty for their first contract. So I really don't give yeah. two shits if you're 23 or what you're entering the, yep. the league in, because for these, the they're not first round guys. They're you're, we're, We got them for four years, yep. period. And you're probably getting out after like year two before they get to three and four. And then you can't get rid of them as easily in dynasty. But that in comes the concern for me with Rashad white is that it. Lenny just resigned a three-year deal. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a 23 year old running back on a four-year rookie contract. Cause he got picked in the middle rounds. There's a range of outcomes where Leonard Fournette could be there all three years. Now is that, likely or is that possible? I mean, he's probably gone after a year or two. Like when the dead mm-hmm. cap money flops over and they can cut him and stuff like that, that's probably the case. But there is a range of outcomes where Fournette stays there for three years. And then you're looking at Rashad White's the new AJ Dillon. Basically, he gets one year, maybe as the backfield to himself or he's the lead in the committee and, and that's that. So I, I got a little bit of concerns about Rashad White and that range of outcomes. So I pushed him down a little bit um my board but there's two guys that I, I, I'll bring up here that I wasn't high on or as high as maybe consensus. Um it, one of those being James Cook. I was not mm-hmm. really high on him entering the NFL. Yeah. Like um you you talk about guys like we're talking about Rashad White, which I love that you brought up that he's not I, I was surprised by how well he tested to be honest. Yeah um, me too. I thought me that too. he was I thought he was more um I thought he was more fast than quick Um, and his, his hips are pretty stiff. He runs upright. Um, he looked like a poor man's DeMarco Murray to me. Like when I watched him on film, like he's an upright runner. Um, but with that, I, I wasn't a huge Rashad white guy, but the other guy that like, I wasn't a big James cook guy. Like he's smaller. He runs to his size. He falls down at shoestring tackles. He's got burst and he's got straight line speed. But I had to bump him up in ranks because, and this is not just like a Clyde Edwards layer kind of thing, like, okay, landing spot and draft capital and what have you. But he does have ability in the passing game. And even if he is a sub back, and I keep bringing this up and people are like, well, he's only going to play on passing downs. This offense is going to throw at a top three clip in the NFL. So I don't give a shit if he only plays on passing downs. They're going to throw the ball on 60%, Mm -hmm. 65% of their plays. So you're looking at the guy is going to get 50% of snaps. Because he's going he's gonna to gobble up passing down snaps. Devin Singletary is not good on pass protection. He's not a good route runner. He doesn't do anything after the catch. So, yeah, James Cook landed in the perfect spot that's yep. going to take advantage of his skill set. It's a top three to five offense in scoring. He's going to have touchdown opportunities. And he has the upside to be Devin Singletary of last year. So I had to kind of changed some of my priors. Like I might not be high on this guy, but second round draft capital, if he'd have gone to the third or fourth, maybe I'm like more pumping the brakes. He went in the freaking second. The second is the new first round for running backs now. So the team's telling you what they thought of him. And Devin Singletary is a freaking free agent next year. So yeah, I bumped up James Cook a bunch. And this is not just an overreaction of landing spot, but another guy I'm going to bring up here is and I think we talked about him in DMs. Traylon yep. Burks. Yep. I was not yep. really high on him coming in. I just talked about I had Sky Moore and some other guys ranked above him. And this is not me trying to throw out hot takes or be edgy and different and do, 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 do. but I'm like, Traylon Burks, his skill set, he just landed in the perfect spot to put to, to but if he's gonna succeed in the NFL. He just landed in the perfect spot to allow him to possibly do that because like people that watch his film and his game, his numbers are fantastic from college. Like he is an analytical darling Mm -hmm. and that's where it's like I try to marry the two parts of this, like look at the numbers and look at the film and try to marry the two to get the best overall picture we can or the least that I can try to surmise on a player skill set. And it's like the numbers and the film don't match on Trail on Burks. Yep. They just don't. Like he he basically was told at, at Arkansas, you you had pop passes, you had used the, they used them on screens, they used them out of the backfield. Um, he was told to run to space, run to space versus zone. He wasn't even running real routes. So his yep. route running is a projection. His releases off the line, he played slot are a projection. You're hoping that he learns all these things. Okay, well, Tennessee kind of, like, made the easy game plan for how you kind of transition maybe a guy like this. And I'm not saying A.J. Brown because I think actually A.J. Brown was more refined yeah, and actually a little bit better of a route runner than Traylon Burks was. But you also have a guy that, for all of the great things we talk about, Traylon Burks, he's not this tackle-breaking machine that people think he is. Like He he didn't lead the nation in and, and broken tackles for us. That was Sky Moore. He didn't even come in like in the top five. Drake London no. actually was more of a bully after the catch Traylon Burks just ran away from dudes and that's fine. But you look at how he's going to succeed in transition to the NFL. Yeah. Tennessee is the perfect landing spot. So I had to move him up in my ranks because this team paid up with the capital. They traded away. Um, AJ Brown and then said, look, we're going to roll you into this. You're going to get probably 110, 120 plus targets in your rookie season. You're going to have to be the number one in this offense because Robert Woods is not that at this point in his career, his numbers have trended. Even if he wasn't coming off injury, I would still tell people the same thing. So as far as like, was I a low on Traylon Burks walking into this process and walking into the NFL draft? Yes. Yeah. Am I still a huge fan of Traylon Burks? No. Is he put in the best possible situation if he is going to hit and be a success in the NFL level. Is this one of the dream scenarios that people should have been like, Okay, okay, please, please, <laughs> please, please, Trey Lamberts, please. <laughs> yeah,
0: this right. is one of those. This is it. This is one of those. And not even just that, he would have had to work for some targets with AJ Brown. Though you had to hope that he got somewhere else, and um Titans come saying that we're gonna trade away this guy. So Mm -hmm. the targets have to go to him. They don't have a choice. They're going to continuously find a way to get him on those inward-breaking routes, those digs down the field, and just let him work in space like they did with A.J. Brown. At the very worst, it comes out. He's a very heavily involved guy who just gets a lot of passes downfield, has a chance to break one every now and then. And that's perfect for him. It's perfect. So I'm going to end this with a a couple of tight ends, actually. One, the guys that I was not a fan of even on you know the line, the landing spot specifically he was really a, a draft twitter darling jelani woods tied down out of virginia the <laughs> the darling everyone was like look at this guy he's got a 10 he's, he's a, an ras of 10 and then i watch this film and i'm like no <laughs> no he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't. No, you're right you're right he does not he does play not, to his testing no he's not he's a huge guy don't he's you know yep. it's funny. He went to the exact team that I comp the the, the player that I comped him to, Mo Ali Cox. He is a big dude that doesn't move very well. They can go get the ball down the field like Mo does that. Yep. And he, but the only difference here is that Jelani can block his ass off. He will move dude. people. He will <laughs> get in your face and shove you to the ground. And that was what I guarantee you, Frank Reich saw and was like, "I want that guy. I don't care what we yep. have to do. I don't care how many tight ends we have on this roster because they have a ton." by the way, and they want to use all of them. They have Moelle Cox, they have Grayson. Now they've added Jelani Woods to that. The, the If you were hoping that he was going to get a spot where you get volume, it is not in Indy. The Colts are not a spot where you're going to get a lot of tight end volume anyway. Matt Ryan doesn't really target tight ends anymore anyway. So even with, he was kind of forced to target pits last year like he was forced to their wide receivers were terrible so the landing spot for me kind of hurt with with woods i wanted to see him go someplace where they could use him a bit more to help with his projection in my mind and the one tight end that i really really love the landing spot was cole turner there's not much in front of him and if you guys don't know cole turner he's a tight end out of nevada who Every time you watch him, he makes at least two to three difficult catches. Like, somersault, the dude's falling over on on his side, catches, and just finds a way to come down with the ball. Logan Thomas is in his way. He's older. He's already been hurt a couple different times in the last couple years. I think the pathway for him to get early touches in an offense with verticality, because he does like to catch the ball down the field and can with his ball skills, with Carson Wentz, is a good opportunity for him. And so I really liked the laying spot with Cole Turner. Can we also talk about the fact that, like, like I
1: I I, I hear little rumblings, and this more came up last year because RSJ was pushing into the starting uh-huh. lineup. Logan Thomas is out, and I'm like, look, John Bates is not nearly as athletic as y'all people think he is. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. really not. Like, he runs like a four eight or four nine. He 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 did not test well. These are not the type of tight ends. These these, these are not the tight ends that you were looking for. Yeah, right. You. You want athleticism, people, and yeah. and that's that's why I, I do gravitate still to Jawanee Woods. But that yeah. also, like, if we're gonna bring up a few landing spots, we st- we still like and we hate. Yeah. Um, the Jets did so many great things in the NFL draft, but damn it, they put a knife in my heart, man. I can't I, stand it. I know
0: where you're going, and I can't stand it. I
1: love Jeremy, Ruckert. Jeremy Rucker. Damn it, I love Jeremy oh. Rucker, and he landed in the worst freaking spot imaginable. Mm. They just signed Conklin and Uzoma, and those guys are under contract for the next three years. Hell, they can't even get out from their contracts no. for the next two years. And so it's not just that, like, oh, it's a log jam. It's a log jam that might take up three-fourths of his rookie deal. And I'm like, why, man? Uh-huh. Like, I love Ruckert. Uh-huh. I still love him. And yeah. I, and look, he's falling in rookie drafts. You can get him for, for free In the fourth, fifth round of rookie drafts, you know, so that's fine. Like I'll take the shot there, but does this hurt? (sighs) It does, man. And you know, they're going to run a bunch of 12 and 21 personnel. Maybe they use him as like a Kyle use type of piece. I could see that. I could see that. But again, that's not what we want for fantasy. You know, like we don't want that. We want him lining up in line in the slot being used on in the passing game. He's gonna have his snaps cut um for most of this rookie deal. Um, he is going to have to share routes with these other two Schmoes. I hate it, man. I hate that landing spot. Um, so I, I do need to get get back on the good foot, and and yeah. I, I know we're we're probably about to get up out I'm of this piece, no but yet. one guy that I know we both really liked, and he did the things that you want to see him do coming from a small school. I know where you're going. I know he dominated. He crushed the competition. He he was top near the top in yards per route run over the last two years. He's got a good enough breakout age. He tested well, and now he just went in the third round of the NFL draft to a high fly. Like I'm gonna say high flying offense, yes. but it's a team that's gonna put up a lot of points. Jalen Tolbert, baby, I'm still in. I'm not out. I was never out. Nope. So here for it, man. I mean, look. I get that Michael Gallup is there. I understand that. I do, okay? James Washington is not a problem for his snaps. James Washington was a fail-safe device that if they couldn't get an outside wide receiver, they could roll his zombie corpse onto the outside so CeeDee Lamb could play in the slot. That's all that was. That was a heartbeat to make sure we have somebody that can start if we are pushed into this and we don't find a wide receiver in the top three or four rounds that we really like. Jalen Tolbert is that dude. If he would have gone to a bigger school and had the helmet that would have allowed him to get better draft capital, he should have been drafted over John Mechie's ass. I'm going to say that. Because John Mechie, for for all the things, and I get it, he went to Alabama and one other guy went to South Alabama. That's fine. That's fine. Jalen Tarbo still did the things that you want to see out of a small school guy. And when they played up against competition, better competition, he freaking dunked on Tennessee the whole damn game long.
0: So good. Okay?
1: And proved that he could be a number one in a passing attack at the collegiate level. John Mechie never did that. He had it served up to him on a silver platter. And basically Alabama said, okay, all the dudes have left the building. Okay, we got Jameson Williams coming in. Here's your option. If you want to be the guy, here you go. Here's Silver Platter. Here it is. Here it is. And Jameson Williams was the dude. So I'm still, I'm I'm grabbing Jamon Tolbert everywhere I can. Um, I mean, this is not so much shade to Michael Gallup, but Dalton Schultz is only on a one-year deal. He could be out after this. They also drafted Jake Ferguson. They could just roll in a, a decent enough tight end starting next season. And then you're looking at a starting trio of Jalen Tolbert, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb, and it's like, okay, let the best guy earn his targets. And the number two, I mean, like the top two options in this passing offense next year could be CeeDee Lamb and Jalen Tolbert. And this is, again, this is not Michael Gallup shade. I like Gallup. I think he's a good NFL player. But we can't discount
0: the fact that Jalen Tolbert's also a really talented dude as well i love it and I, I honestly i think he has a chance to come out camp as the number two guy because we okay. i think yeah michael michael gallup starts on the pup list i don't think he's gonna be ready and i also nope, don't think great. he's as good as as tolbert i i think tolbert's a more polished route runner he can get open he can do more after the catch than i think gallup ever could so i'm on firmly in that plateau I love it I love the landing spot he's going to be a guy who starts to go at the beginning half of your second round rookie drafts before the end of the season I can promise you that thank you so much Derek for being here with me today this was awesome it was so much fun maybe we'll talk about the next uh the last thing we were going to next time because that <laughs> one's a fun one that we can probably go back and forth on so once again thank you so much let the people know what you're going to be doing next
1: oh man Uh, So I'm updating uh, all of our player notes and things like that. So if you head over to Fantasy Pros, you're looking at rankings and stuff, and you want to find out about a player, maybe some of these rookies that you haven't dug into just as deep, and you're getting back into Dynasty season, you're thinking about best ball and stuff like that. Um, Head over to the rankings. You'll see all these breakdowns. Again, the Dynasty draft kit is live. The best ball draft kit is live. So this time of the year – that's what we're all doing, people. We're doing startups. We're doing rookie yep, drafts, yep. and we're getting into best ball right now. So we have all the content that can get you ready for all of this stuff, as well as if you if you get signed up with Fantasy Pros today, you can head over to the Discord and ask me questions literally 24-7. <laughs> people are tagging me in questions and asking me about their startups and all this kind of stuff, and this is not me sitting here, like, shading any of that. I love it. I love getting asked the questions and I love trying to help people any way I can, man. That's why we do the content. That's what we do. The film grinds. That's why we dive into the numbers. So you can find all of that stuff over at fantasy pros, tune into the podcast. And yeah, dude, do that, that. That's all the things and stuff I can plug for today. Harms there you go. Um, awesome. again, man. Thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. I love talking football with sharp people that know their
0: shit. Um, so this has been awesome. Thank you so much. You guys heard him. Be sure to go ask him questions 24-7. He doesn't want to sleep, so he'll answer all your questions. <laughs> make sure to do that. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in this time. I will have more film coming up as we go through the offseason. There's going to be lots, 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 lots of film for <laughs> you. So make sure to tune into that. You guys have a great day, and we'll see you next time.